Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. I'm Mikey Worrell, and today we're going backstage with Johnny Bailey at the Gielgud Theatre, where he's playing Jamie in Company. For those of you who don't know, that's the part that used to be called Amy, but now she's a man. Johnny's done loads of theatre and TV before. You might have seen him in The York Realist at the Donmar Warehouse, the last five years at The Other Palace, back when it was called the St James Theatre, or in Broadchurch and W1A. Johnny also works closely with the Albert Kennedy Trust, a charity that helps LGBTQ homeless people, and there's a special gala performance of company happening next week to raise money for it. The Gielgud is one of my favourite London theatres, so I was very excited to go in through the stage door for the first time. Johnny shares a dressing room with two others, so there are three mirrors along the wall with bulbs all the way round. It looks just as you'd expect. But he described it to me using the analogy of an allotment, because why not? Here's our conversation. Johnny Bailey, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me in a dressing room. That's all right. Who do you share this with? So you're currently sat in Ashley Campbell's uh, place, and then to your right would be Alex Gourmand. And together we are pretty winning dressing room trio. We sort of balance each other out, it's great. In what way? Well, as you can see, we've got different approaches to our allotted space. Yeah. If it was an allotment, I'd say... I would have sort of purple sprouting broccoli. <laughs> Ashley would have just like loads of legumes. <laughs> and okay. um, Alex would have lots of sort of nutrition. I mean, there's lots of sort of protein-based snacks over there. And he's got the bare minimum as well. So it would be quite a satisfying sort of lettuce patch, I think. Right, right. Fair enough. <laughs> so Jamie is one of five gender-swapped roles for this production of Company. Yes. I get the impression you're enjoying yourself. Yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible for various different reasons and yeah I think the gender swap is one reason that makes it very easy to go up on stage every night and um, and feel completely sort of energised about the fact that you're doing something completely new uh, within the framework which is genial from George Firth and Stephen Sondheim I've been amazed the, the, the biggest discovery in terms of Jamie's gender swap is is just feeling how quietly revolutionary it's been politically and that's just something that I feel that I get from the audience and talking to people outside of it which has been a real privilege to be able to be to be able to play this role as a gay man in some time both times i've been your number gets the longest applause does that happen every night well you know what i mean if you, it is one of the most brilliantly staged numbers i think well i, I have unfortunately never seen but you know that's an amazing teamwork it's got not only have you got incredible design from Bunny Christie, um, but and obviously amazing storytelling that's so clear from Marianne, and just the, the phrasing of how visually that works in that you have Daisy Maywood who's smashing it as the priest, um, and just her coming up and down on the uh, on the lift just sets the tone for the whole thing. It's just one amazing comedic sort of coup de théâtre, <laughs> and um, and that just is the, the starting point and. Not only that, you then, at the end of the number, you get the whole company coming in, including Patti LuPone, dressed in white, appearing for about five seconds. And that is a massive spoiler, isn't it? But let's hope that this comes out. I think March there's a level of assumed knowledge with this. Well, yes. I think, you know what I really also we, we enjoy is that you can get a real sense of or audiences which have seen it before. 
Yeah. Um, and there's an expectation, which is great. But so, yeah, so there is, it's, it's an amazing moment in, in what is a show full of incredible moments. And it just so happens that this one is a real team effort and it's a, you know, unbelievable thing for me and Alex to be able to be in the heart of it. What have people been saying to you about the Bobby gender swap? Because I imagine there's quite a few people like me who saw it, having never seen it before, who yeah. can't imagine it being written for a man. Well, I know, but it's ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, I had never seen a... Produ- I mean, I, actually, no, I, I tell a lie. I, I saw a friend of mine who we both know, called yeah. Joe, um, uh, and he played Larry in a student production did of Company. Actually? Yeah, he did. This is Joe Pike. Um at Edinburgh University and famously the Scotsman accidentally gave it five stars <laughs> so it got a full sellout run oh my god um, to which I was very lucky to get a ticket and it was a, you know still amazing production but they were living the high life I think of uh, I think they were waiting for their fringe first which never came but, but it's why I have seen it as a male the thing about this is that you obviously you care for the first time you really care there's no question that Bobby is, is in a very human and vulnerable situation where uh, people are so sort of dominant about the, their life choices I think once they've made a choice and especially with the way that relationships are and how they choose to to share their life with people and other people and how they interact do you would you care if a male had three girlfriends on the go no not at all do you care that you know that there's any any a pressure for a man to make decisions before a certain time in his life absolutely not because there's no biological clock so suddenly you get this really sort of extraordinary presentation of, of someone who sort of is the anchor and the epicentre. But when, and when you say that, it's not really the sun of the universe. She is the sort of the moon in a way. It's, there's something very sad about the fact that the light, I think, shines very brightly on her friends and she obviously serves a massive purpose up to all these couples. But when she's left on her own, she's just left in a, in a sort of pool of self-analysis and, and introspection and, and fear, which I think is such a 21st century... Reality. Yeah. It has to be said that Stephen Sondheim and George Firth has still written all of that in the, in the psychology of it in the late 60s and 70s. And what the show obviously did well then is that it, it held a mirror up to society and to a New York society and maybe a more sort of middle class society. But by, by making it a woman now, again, there's, it's, it chimes in with very obvious things that, that perhaps we haven't seen before. And it's ludicrous that that story hasn't been told in this way. And, you know, within the political climate, how brilliant to have... Patty and Mel head up um, have I got a guy for you suddenly women are talking about sex in the way that of course they always have have and it's just the idea that the way that we tell stories in theatre or on TV or on film has been we've always shied away from that I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a male so no one really wants to hear me talk about it but I just I am completely inspired by it and I just cannot imagine caring if about Bobby being a man and it would be a very different show so yeah so, it, so it's, ama- it's amazing and I do hear people or hear of people that come and, and whether they're sort of sat next to a family or friends who have been to see it and they're like, you know, at the end, they have the big, amazing moment where someone says, you know, it was written for a man. And they're like, what? And also it's all the gender politics as well. I mean, can you imagine Barcelona being about a man trying to entice a girl into bed? I mean, it's just... They would never get away with that no, now. No, sorry. And it's just so much more exciting and thrilling. Yeah, so it's it's that's just another reason why it's proving to be one of the most extraordinary few months performing it. When it came to auditioning, yeah. how did that go for you? How much did you know before you went in the room? Well, it was really extraordinary. And by that, I mean, unlike anything I've experienced, I got, I got asked to do a workshop years ago and I just got a call saying, they're going to do a musical workshop. It's Marianne Elliott and it's, we can't tell you what the musical is. 
And I remember being like, oh my goodness, me! I was like, what could it be? Annie? Or cats? <laughs> but I, I, was, I was like, this is really weird. And I was like, of course I'm 100% going to go and be there, for sure. Um, and I just, I just accepted last five years as well, which I was really excited to do with Sam Barks, who's a friend of mine, and then and with Jason Brown. So I just thought, you know what, any excuse to... Because I was so in fear of, of going into jumping in at the deep end and just having a, having to use a voice in a way that I haven't, hadn't before. So I was like... And everyone obviously says, you know, it's the muscle. So I was just like, of course I'm going to do a week doing a workshop. And also, completely dream come true anyway. Not just because it's Marianne, but just doing a workshop for a musical. And then we got closer, and then then someone mentioned it was Sondheim, or someone like did a snooping around, and then there was this whole thing about follies, obviously, which was going on at the National, but we didn't know which one it was going to be, and then there was like a, a hint that it might be West Side Story. Anyway, then of course a week before, got a call I think from Marianne, and she was just like, "Look, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to swap the gender, and um, we'd like you to come in and read one of the boyfriends." So I went over and met Joel Fram, who I knew I had been lucky enough to do workshops with before, and went around to his flat and sang through. Uh, another hundred people and then uh, ahead of the workshop so I sort of knew then what the vibe was and then we went in and there was a couple of friends of mine who were doing it as well and it was an amazing week and it was basically as it transpired it, it was the the challenge put to Marianne by Stephen Sondheim to say go away for a week work with the people that you might want to work with in the long term and, and film it and see and then I'll, I'll, I'll look at it and and so every it was really lovely because also being introduced into a creative process without having to audition and to know what it was meant you just going completely open had amazing conversations just very quickly about instinctively what we all thought of our characters but separate you know separately and just one on one with Marianne and then we learned the score as much of it as we could and well I mean we had to perform the whole thing on the Friday but we had our um, sheet music in front of us and um, it was really weird and sort of Magical, and I, got, I know I'm so aware of sometimes hearing people talk about things in a very sort of earnest and sincere, sincere yeah. way. But there was definitely a magic about it. Maybe it's because I've been cultured. I've seen sort of documentaries about musicals, and I know that you know these sort of workshops happen. And, and anyway, it, it just felt completely right. And Rosie, who had worked with Marianne before, hearing her sing through the material for the first time was just completely revolutionary. And she's sort of unwavering, and she's just there's no one who could play Bobby like she does, and that was all there then. And of course, there are other things changed, but I, 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 through that week, I, I was sat there, and, and and it was just a real privilege. And so that's where it started. And then there, you know, there was very different conversations about you know what, you know dates and stuff, and then way later down the line, I think Marianne had been auditioning all the women in, in London. She said all the best, brilliant women to play Amy, and. It's something just wasn't working, and I, I, I reckon, and I don't, I, I obviously didn't mention this, but I, I, I had an instinct about that scene, in terms of modernising it, and about, and because that was also what the workshop was all about, to you know, working out whether we need to change lyrics or just exactly how certain characters would exist now, and I was really drawn to the Amy story. It actually was Chris Harper, the producer, who it turns out was a real campaigner for Jamie, not Amy. And that was something that Marianne was sort of had question marks over. So anyway, I got a call and they said, would you come in? Well, what do you think about Amy? And I went, yes. And I was like, this is so rare that you just go 100% yes. And it, even in that one moment, even though I couldn't really remember the scene, I knew the song or a bits of the song. And I just thought, you know what? I know that there's something, there's something there. I know, I can feel it. And then um, and they just said, will you come in? And it was just on my 30th birthday. And I, had a, I remember having my 30th birthday party on the Friday night or the Saturday night. And I had to go in on the Monday. I was feeling a bit ropey-roo. <laughs> but I just went in, I was really honest. I said, And we were sort of sang through the song with Joel separately. And then I went in and um, 
you know, they'd said it was going to just be a little workshop chat and be at the end of the day, and of course everyone was in there. And I was suddenly like, oh my goodness me, I'm auditioning for a part that's never been played before. And I suppose I just talked to Marianne about... I mean, I have it, and then I obviously read the, the thing on the Sunday and I went really through it, and I just thought it seemed to me so brilliant. And there were so many different personal experiences, but also research experiences of gay and queer um, identity and experience that seemed to just be drawn into the script and without changing any words. And the first thing we did in the, me- in the meeting, she went, right, okay, let's just go through this scene and just let's look at it through a different lens and just, let's just see what we'd need to change. And you'd go through and there were moments where she'd be like, okay, I don't think that would be... And I was like, no, 100%, 100% keep that. That's exactly what he would say. Like, I think they're completely conceivable. And Alistair Coomer and Charlotte Sutton were the casting directors and we, me and Alistair got into a conversation. It's just brilliant. And, it, you know, it's not just about being gay but it's about being like open to it and we all chimed in on this really interesting conversation about what we knew and who we knew who reminded us of Jamie but me and Alistair had both read a book called The The Velvet Rage which is a book that I'd read working on another play at the Donmar called The York Realist and it's just it's really interesting because it's sort of completely it's for the first time that I had read a, a psychologist's sort of compilation of various different people patients that he'd worked with and um there's a sense of, you know, there's a sense within Jamie Amy that, you know, there's a real self-hatred, I think, about not being, having, if you can't, if you can't necessarily, if you can't see why someone, would, I mean, he, I, I, I think it's, I just remember saying to Marianne in that meeting, I was like, this is really sad. This is a sad scene. Oh, yeah. And, and, and as in, I don't, I was like, I can't really see the comedy. <laughs> and even now, I saw, I know that I can tell it's funny, but I just think, but this is seriously someone at the end, edge of you know, being pushed to their limits in terms of how they see themselves and how, how they value themselves. And the self-esteem is on the floor. And what's amazing is that there's so many... It's such an incredible part to play because there's there's so many different shifts in the scene which makes sense of someone who's constantly had to spend their whole life projecting a version of themselves. And, of course, there is an authentic version of Jamie there which comes out towards the end, and it's just a, one of extreme emotional volatility and vulnerability. Um, and he is sensitive, and he's also completely in, in love with Bobby as a friend. And that was something I, sp- I mentioned to Marianne, I remember, and she, well, we talked about it, it was never one way, but of course, but that I'd seen productions, I'd never believed that Amy was Bobby's best friend. I've never, you know, that it's mentioned in the text a, a, a lot, and, and so that to me was something that I was like, that's a brilliant challenge. And the moment, I don't know if it's liberated by her being a woman and me being a guy, but that all seemed to suddenly start taking a life of its own. And the idea of seeing in, in your partner someone who's happy and, and solid and, and at one with themselves exacerbates in you, you know, a fear of uncompletedness. Is that, is that a word? Yeah, um, sure. It's all tied in. And anyway, so we had this conversation and, and yeah, and I did the song. And obviously, you know, the song you need about nine months to get right like a really weird music that's like the worst sing this in front of everyone now no I know song ever I I remember I wrote on a bit of paper 20 because it was the original lyrics which I probably can't remember now but it was like um, thank you for 27 dinner plates 37 um, candle holders I I can't remember but I had to write even just the numbers 25 35 45 55 I remember Joel Fran being like that's quite easy to remember (laughs) that's just going up in increments of 10 I was like no but it was so it's it requires such a I mean, the great thing about the song is that it requires such a level of anxiety, really, to perform. I mean, you kind of have to just, like, break it in and then be so calm while you do it. But in an audition environment, if you really, really mess it up, it probably will still seem 
right for the character. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> completely. But it's it's so funny that you say that about the whole Bobby being female and and Jamie being Jamie, because mm. if you flip it around, it does seem unrealistic having this 35-year-old man with a female best friend. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know if I would know that. Well, well it's possible. It's possible. But... I think I think that what... It's funny, isn't it? Because you just go, well, how much backstory do you need? It seems really? less real, doesn't it? Yeah, especially now. I mean, especially now. Or, or less real or, or just there's an opportunity missed. Yeah. I think there's only a way that you work... But I mean, that's the challenge of the original text in those those gender roles, is that surely if you were going to play Amy and Bob, like, you know, one of the things... One of the main thing for Amy would be like, right, why are they best friends? What is this about? And maybe they grew up together. You know, there's so many ways in which you can yeah. work around that. But yeah, the collusion in them is very sweet and quite touching, I think. And he always, he's the one who's always constantly asking her to blow out the candles. And, you know, he's he feels feels like he takes a very strong... He takes their friendship very seriously, I think. Even though he's completely, ultimately quite selfish. There, there's it. just so much to go at, isn't there? Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The whole, the candles thing, it's like, well, is, it, is that because, you know, there's that child in him? Because, I can't I read it somewhere, it's like... 20s are gay men's teens because we could never be who we were yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah, ago yeah, and there's yeah. all that and yeah. there's just there's so much we could yeah, do yeah there's totally it's but fascinating. it's that whole scene is so relatable though I mean it's an extreme version of the self-hatred and stuff but yeah. I think I was sitting there and I know so many other people who've sat there and gone oh my god that's me really yeah, yeah. I know, but isn't that amazing and it's terrifying but yeah. also hilarious yeah 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 of course <laughs> and also you know the, the brilliant thing about this is that the structure of the the piece is that it is all sort of fantastical and it's all this sort of Alice in Wonderland-esque so the idea that you can really push the boundaries and then pull it back in moments of truth well I mean hopefully it's all rooted in truth but but yeah yeah I, I, I yeah I just would love to yeah I mean I saw The Inheritance recently and I, there's something about performances in that as well I just thought it was so sublime that I'm always someone who when I go to the theatre I just still completely am in awe and there's loads of things that I've seen recently, but the inheritance is one where I was just like I could never do that. And, you know, you just go how, but and, and that's the sign of good theatre because you just can't see the work, you can't see how someone got to that point. And I think with this, hopefully, I think as a group, as, as a gang, we've all sort of endeavoured to try and create that same. I mean, you can't really; you just can work as hard as you can and see. I wrote the inheritance down because actually, you know, there are the parallels, and there are, yeah. they were like. I mean, it's closed now. I went to the last night and. Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw. I, I went back to see part one. I, I, never, I never actually saw part two. Oh, I just no. couldn't see it because we're doing this. But you should read it. Yes, I will. That's that's a really good um, idea. But the, yeah. but the only other thing I'd say, which is like, this is the thing that I sort of alluded to at the beginning when you are like the energizing thing about this is that no, because it's retrofitted, no one mentions the fact that they're gay. There's no commentary. There's no social commentary on the fact that these two guys are gay. And of course, you know, the inheritance is so phenomenal and, and, and it's vital in a very different way. But I just think this is, that's where I think the revolution is because, you know, there's no, they're, they're not, they're, 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 they're moments of contention and serious analysis. It's not about how they exist in a, in a society as gay men. It's actually just about how they are relating with each other and how they're dealing with themselves. Um, and that to me is super energizing. And I've played, I've done, I, you know, I played straight, bisexual and gay men and my previous play the, the gay play that I did was was which is a very common gay narrative is, is one of tragedy and heartbreak and they you know had to keep everything quiet it was about what not what was not said and you know and which is great as well but I did remember I left this that theatre after your realist feeling completely sort of drained and you know it was so it was so emotionally sort of taxing and Ben Bat was amazing but but so with this it's like really great I mean it's brilliant 
And, you know, if if we had to retrofit something in order to make that seem so important, maybe that's the thing that people are really excited about, I think. And I think writers, it's a call to arms, really. Because although there are multiple different queer existences that need to be told, and of course, you know, absolutely, there are, there, there's lots of stories that aren't going to be... People do not exist as gay men or LGBTI... Um, with no sort of friction in terms of their existence, but it's just in the, within this, it's great because it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about a woman who is working out what, what's right for her. I mean, first of all, with York Realist, great knitwear. Yeah, amazing, right? Um, <laughs> but like you say, everything that was unsaid in that almost hurt more because watching it, you were just waiting for something to to happen or to see something and yeah. it all happened off stage or didn't yeah. happen at all yeah 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 and i remember leaving thinking that was brilliant but i feel so like unsatisfied no, which no. i get was the point well it was really sexy wasn't it for that reason i think yeah it, Isn't was. it? it was what was denied it was denying the audience but again it wasn't about necessarily about i mean it sort of alluded to loads of things didn't it I think there was a moment where they touch, where there's like a thumb on the back, and that was as close as it got. But the, and there was obviously conversations about sex, but actually, really, it was about cultural distances and mm. about two different ex- experiences and how, you know, again about perception of self, which I suppose all good plays are about. How one person who's exposed to a more cosmopolitan and liberal understanding of identity meets someone who is completely a victim of opp- geography. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and oppressed by a community. And how they interact and how they overcome those boundaries. But yeah, it was, I, I, yeah, it was, I, again, brilliant play, brilliant play. And you got to go and do it up north, right? Yeah, we did it in Sheffield, yeah, for oh. two weeks. What was the reaction like up there? You, you know what, it was, yeah, because I, I think we were all, yeah, we were very sort of excited and sort of, there was high anticipation about that. But I, it was just as brilliant. There was obviously, there was so much identity of it, of, of York. And so to go to Sheffield to do it, I mean, people absolutely relished all the geography. And it was really stunning, actually, because it was quite, Elegiac in the way that they talked about the expansive, you know, there, there was the sense of him leaving even London to get to York to then then go from York to the farmhouse. But the, what was really good about going up to Sheffield, I remember, and there's something that Rob Hastings totally identified. He's a brilliant director. Is um, the, the, the the bigger theatre meant that it opened it out more, and it became a different sort of version of the story. It was more energised because it felt like we were. Yeah, I don't know. I don't quite know how, but it, if if it was very kitchen sinky and very sort of forensic in the Donmar, it became more rife. That I don't know. That there... So it like kind of felt like it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and it felt sort of isolated because the stage was on like this sort of podium, and mm-hmm. you couldn't see the people. Like, and the Donmar, you can sort of you can, you can hear it, hear a whistling nose. Yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> we kind of veered off after the the workshop. Mm. How after after you went in and you did uh, getting married today for the yeah. first time? What was the journey from there to actually getting the job and being told? Like, well, that was it. That was it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. They filmed me, and I think at the end of the, I was I was, I was I guess I was in there for over an hour. Or oh, maybe I don't know. I mean, it sort of it was weird because it sort of uh, it could could have been two minutes as well. But she, but Marianne was just like, oh, "All right, we'll just leave it with me. I'm not going to have to talk to Stephen." And you leave, and you go. I was just, I was just thinking, you know, as I think all actors do, just go, oh my god, I did not smash that at all. <laughs> and I was like, but, but it just felt great to be able to sit down and talk to someone as brilliant as her in a room full of, you know, amazing people, and have a conversation because actually, you know, as an actor now, that's quite rare. If you're doing self tapes or, yeah, you know, there's, there's the, the actual like possibilities to sit down and really, it was like a rehearsal, and, and I was just grateful for that, really. 
yeah, and I didn't really think... I didn't know, I don't know. I, don't, I can't really... I sort of thought, God, yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? And it was like a real discovery because it was so quick off the back of having the opportunity come out. And, I, you know, and you, you obviously think, you go, yeah, I mean, it definitely something clicked. And I just thought, you know what, if that... I, I did come away thinking that has to be a guy. That has to be a guy. Um, and how exciting, you know, whether that's to perform it or to go and see it. And when did the name come? Jamie? Yeah. Was it just straight... Was it just there? I think, yeah, I think it was there. Amy, Jamie. Today yeah. is for... Lamey. <laughs> there is no other way you can do that. Um, no. Yeah, so the name there is, is no just other there. Name. No, no, there isn't, is there? Today Mamie. is for Damie. Henry. <laughs> no, no. And how long did it take you to get used to being in the same room as Patti Lapone? Well, she's like so brilliant and so kind and generous and lovely. I think, I, wa- I wonder how easy it was for her, actually. I think that's the, the real question because Every, everywhere she goes yeah and also starting a rehearsal room I mean, I mean she I remember hearing her say a story which is really sad but I totally un- I totally sort of remember it is that on the first day we had to do sort of you know these pretty hideous like thawing of the ice games where you like have to you know say something about yourself and then run around in a circle and then pretend to be a goose and then do a cartwheel <laughs> and um, we, we were all paired up and we had to do trust exercises of falling into something to do with or like dance together and and she latterly said, you know, in that one, that first day, no one wanted to come a partner with me. And she was like, and, that's, and of course, like, that's really, that's really sad. sad. But, and also, you know, the, the fear, the fear comes with the, you know, not the reputation, but like the extraordinary work that she's done. And, and being completely we- annoyed, you, of course you're going to be annoyed with that. Yeah. And I know, and, and yeah, I guess I, I guess I was quite shy, for sure. And I speak. She says I speak faster than a New Yorker, so she needs like an interpreter every time I speak to her. But we do get on. She's like a real good mate. She goes, "What did you say?" <laughs> but she, yeah, she's become like a really, a really good friend, and she's just so, yeah, just like a real sort of company member. And you know, Rosie is the super lead, and Patty is just there and supporting all of us and Rosie through every step. And of course, she's got experience for absolutely anything and everything that we are finding out and it is really interesting doing a musical for me because I've never done one before and it was something that I've always wanted to do but just extraordinary how much it requires and dedication and I mean and that's something that you completely revel in but it's really hard the self-care and the athleticism and the, the focus and the generosity it requires all of which come with the job and you just sort of fall into it and that's not a problem. But it's, yeah, it's great to, I've had moments, you know, where, you know, the pressure of doing a song like that can can kick in. And I spoke to Patty about it and I spoke to Marianne and Chris and, and Rosie and, and yeah, and there's always mechanisms that you can use to sort of help you sort of keep calm and mm-hmm. keep perspective. Um, so, so, yeah, my, my feeling of when, when I think of working with Patty and especially with this whole company. Because there's more Olivier nominations in this company than I think surely ever, ever. Probably. And there'll be more. And they're all... There are going to be well, more. You know, oh, God. But um, <laughs> but they... um, They... Yeah, I mean, it's just an amazing com- company. And they're all sort of... They've all led up their own companies and, you know, it's brilliant to be able to work with them and look around and just see everyone who's so completely on top of their game. But, yeah, just thinking about, like, working with everyone, you just think, God, how supported we are and how important that is for this sort of production and every production of theatre anyway, but really seriously in this way because 
you go and see friends and also how important friends are and family you know it's, it's yeah. really, it, really, it really makes you go god you know real gems stick out and this cast and company is full of them so we're very lucky yeah have you found your self-care routine with this or? yeah it shifts though I mean it, oh, really? because also I feel like your body gets is it? I, uh, it's like I love doing sort of like sport and stuff so I, before over the last couple of years I've done a, a couple of sort of trained for certain things and I just remember it's similar to training because you get to a point where your body sort of desensitizes to it and then it needs to be shook in a different way or, sh- or it needs to be sort of inspired in a different way and so I feel like actually there are, there are, there are definite chapters to doing a long run this is what I'm working at I mean you have to like bear with me because I, I do find it really interesting but at the moment you know we're just we're just finishing our 10th week so we've got nine weeks left and in the grand scheme of it that feels like we're on the last sort of furlong but we're not and so you're, you can feel like a sense that you basically I mean what I what personally I struggle with and it's different for every single person in the company in terms of their what they have to do in the show it's just eating enough food to keep going and to give the performance that I want to give every night I, I, it, and it's really nice to then do a bit of research and see that other people have talked about how hard it is just to eat because actually you, you know when you lose your when you lose your hunger your appetite it can get really hard but that's one thing and also sleep needing to sleep I mean I'm reading a lot which is great and doing you know doing a lot of seeing I mean you seeing a lot of amazing stuff in and going to galleries and stuff like that in London Marianne gave me a really good piece of advice she said just get into a box set and so it's just because it, also the other thing about playing Jamie and, and having a song like that is that it really gets under the skin and and how do you how do you not spend the whole night dreaming in real time doing that song, which I have done? And the the trick is, is that you need to be able to, you know, it's not just sort of mindfulness to be able to shut down, but I literally be able to have an existence that's not the, that's outside the show. And of course, then of course, how lucky to have them friends that you can hang out with, and you know, and then also you have to do all of that at the same time as make sure you don't speak too much, you rest your voice, you check in with yourself. I'm in awe of people who can do it and there's a real satisfaction in it but yeah it's nice to know where the where the finish line is I think I think you need to know that to be able to structure it otherwise you'd burn out and then Broadway maybe oh well you know who knows who knows fingers <laughs> crossed well it's gonna I, th- I mean the, yeah I think the it'd be uh, it'd be ludicrous if it didn't go over to Broadway it's an amazing it, story and you know it, it should take all of you with it I know you can't say be the one to say that yeah. but it, it should <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it would be an amazing thing to do. It feels very much like it's our production, and and you know, everyone is putting a part of themselves into it, and it's been a very incredibly creative experience. And um, it would just be very interesting to see how commercially, if, whether they're going to support that. I suppose because I think, I mean, I don't have any idea about Broadway and how it works, but I imagine you know you need someone who's going to really um, get behind it and, yeah. and root, um, which is what I think good art should be about. Absolutely. And and also you've got to do the catch recording, which yeah, there's lots of notes, you know, obviously. And good old Steve is yeah. amazing, legend that is, and he was there when we recorded it. What was um, that like? Yeah, amazing, just amazing. He's like, yeah, Johnny, I got enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so, yeah, it's so specific and brilliant, and you know, there's no one who will understand specifically this music like he will, obviously. But also on top of that, just basic craftsmanship within music. I think it's he can hear I think he doesn't miss a beat so I, I you know I, I and he's forensic as well as Marianne is and all the best people are I think did you ask him about was there anything you were really like desperate to ask him that you got to about anything no it's too shy to ask any questions it was more that I 
I just wanted to go, yo, how are you? Like, you know, sort of go in and just be yeah, like, yeah. I mean, how ludicrous is that? Just to think that you can go in and sort of <laughs> subvert the expectations of what it will be to be an actor that's working with him. But I was just like, yeah, I was like, how are you? I mean, so where are you staying? Where are you staying in London? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's great, you know, it's great. I don't, it's still a mythological sort of amazing creature. And there was on that first, on the first, one of the first previews, he came to see it and he gave a speech afterwards and he was so moved by it that he shed a few tears while I was talking about it, which is amazing. And Patty says, you know, she can only count on one hand, if maybe one finger, the times that she's seen him show emotion like that. So, yeah, there's a real sense that he's here all the time, as well as being in New York. And when we recorded the album, having him in your headphones, giving you little... Um, well, I say little. It's very specific ways in 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 certain things. The notes, you know, I love notes. I've always, in terms of my process, I love getting notes. And to get notes from Stephen Sondheim is, you know, completely ludicrous and something that I will never forget. You're doing this gala night, the special gala night for the Albert Kennedy Trust. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You're you're fronting that. Is that your your thing? Is is it? Yeah, a well, cause that's close to you. It is. Yeah, I, I'm an ambassador for the charity, and they managed to do a gala for uh, at the Donmar last year, which is great. And they're, they're always looking for. I think the support that they they give is particularly close to my heart, and also everyone here at companies, which is LGBTI homelessness in youth specifically across the UK. And with Tim, who um, heads the charity, we had a meeting and just inevitably you just sit down and you think, right, how can we raise some money? And the first thing was a no-brainer was to ask Patty to offer up a dinner that they could go to auction, which she won and I got the biggest amount for, which is great. And uh, so even that will just pay for a thousand nights off the off the streets. Wow. For very festival, which is incredible. And, you know, their mandate, not only do they offer... In terms of their housing ability, they, they, they promise uh, that they can provide a home for someone within 24 hours of, of a phone call which is great and I just think it would be quite sort of easy to think that maybe people don't get aren't, aren't pushed out of their own homes when they are honest about who they are with their parents and their families or their friends or whatever their, their setup is and it's an incredibly vulnerable place to be I think as a young gay or, or trans or bisexual person in, in in the UK so to have support which is not just being able to take someone in but also having sort of angels I suppose who you can be they, you know they offer up mentorship and that's something that obviously I'm really interested in and, and just so important for me anyway to be able to use this part of what we do to you know even on the night we're going to have 50 free tickets that Chris Harper has given for 50 people who have come through the Albert Kennedy Trust and that is just exactly what theatre should be about anyway get always looking for ways to get new audience members in and to reach out to an audience that otherwise maybe wouldn't be able to come or afford it which is a whole different thing in itself and then on top of that raise awareness and raise money and it's actually very exciting and inspiring and and actually it's quite simple to do if you just know what you you know what what can be done and so i've really enjoyed sort of working with them and everyone who works there is, is great and they're offering such good service and support that it would be um, silly not to completely root and get behind it. Using your platform for good. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know what the platform is. It's like one of those plastic little things that you oh, yeah, as a yeah. kid, so you do the washing up. <laughs> I really want to ask you about the last five years. Yes. Because for so many people, it's like a seminal piece. Yeah. And it's so rarely done over here, and yeah, so yeah. few people know about it. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's that was amazing. The first thing I saw music. you in. 
loved it. Oh, wow, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an amazing piece I mean, it's of such music. a great space anyway, isn't it? And then to have that show, it just really worked. Yeah, it made sense. Yeah, completely made and sense. And then, I mean, you've done really well. You've ticked off Stephen Sondheim. You've ticked off Party of the Bone. You've ticked off Jason Robert Brown on your list. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, but who knew? Who knew that? I yeah, I mean, amazing. For someone who hasn't done that many musicals, you've done really well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big five, isn't it? In yeah. Safari. We well yeah I mean brilliant what a mate what how lucky for those opportunities to have arisen anyway and for Jason Robert to come over and direct it for us in London is one thing and then to be actually be able to be a part of it is great and with Sam as well who I knew before she's amazing I mean obviously she's got a larynx of steel and she's just an absolute I mean she's so brilliant I, you know the one thing I'd say about all those people that I work with is just so they're such hard working and you just have to be so that's something that I've really enjoyed like it's just the obvious but you see it and you just go god that is the energising thing just work 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 baby work baby work 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 yeah. <laughs> um, words of sweet Rihanna <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> I know it was ages ago now but I have to ask you about Broadchurch I mean it was just completely it was amazing but it was an amazing script amazing cast and really sort of exciting to do because it was like usual suspects and they didn't tell us who was the murderer and then, and then when it came out it just seemed to hit the zeitgeist for, for multiple reasons and the performances were really good so yeah it was great it was amazing what an amazing it was such good TV in the UK at the moment I'm just watching Sex Education and just thinking this is so good and like the whole idea of what British TV is about is, is changing and you know Bodyguard and, and James Graham writing you know theatre writers now coming into write for TV it's so exciting it is but can you do more musicals please rather than <laughs> don't, don't get excited about TV well I don't know I mean oh, yeah it's totally well who knows who knows do you have any that you want to do musicals yeah yeah I yeah yeah I, th- I think so because kind of, you've done so you've done such a range of stuff when you were growing up, did you have a name or was it just kind of like... No, not, not at all. I never, ever thought I would be able to be in a musical. I just never thought that that is something that I would be able to do. And I slowly, luckily, managed to take baby steps towards it. I mean, doing the last five years was a massive plunge, vocally. But, I mean, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't realise the possibility. And I think a lot of people go, I can't sing, I can't sing. And I implore people to go and get singing lessons because... I literally got taught how to sing. I mean, I could always hold a tune and I loved sort of messing about. And I had done American Psycho before, the musical, but that, yeah. that was all sort of a synth track and I didn't have hardly anything to sing in it. But um, Mark Malan, who's an amazing singing teacher who I know people talk about, he works with Amanda Staunton, and he basically is just a wizard. Yeah. And he taught me to sing. I mean, literally taught me to sing. And, you know, I got to a point where... Uh, the amazing thing about working with Jason Robin Brown as well is that because he's a musician and not one that's you know, like a trained, technical sort of MT musician. He's a rock star in the way that he performs. And he was just like, hey, man, he's like, it's fine, you've blown your flaps. <laughs> I was like, blow my flaps. Well, I wasn't like that. I was like, I've blown my flaps. What does that mean? Well, I mean, no one wants bad, bad uh, tender flaps. But basically, <laughs> it's, where, it's where your vo- you know, your voice, your voice, the vocal folds are so sort of, they. I mean, when they... So it's just like, like you this, burn out, kind of. This is like a test, isn't it? So, but, <laughs> well, it's kind you of. You don't have to give a technical answer. No, okay. Well, I feel like I should, but the, the it's 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 the whole visual, visualization of how the voice works. Even that, to me, was revolutionary. Uh-huh. And because it's just understanding, you don't just lose your voice. There's a reason why that happens, and the way that you you know, like if you're, I think I've probably in the past used my muscles to protect it so that you can really bash the voice, but then that's not going to be sustainable. So it's all you learn technique on to how to. But, you know, that's why vo- vocal rest is just literally, like, allowing them to calm down. And doing eight shows a week, there's always going to be moments where you feel tired, inevitably. 
but so yeah but Jason Robert Brown was always like hey man it's gonna be fine you know just go you know you go go and relax eat some pineapple and just come back and we'll do it again and thank, thank you know thank god it was into that environment and with him because yeah, that's a hard saying it's a really show. hard saying yeah and and I didn't you know and to be honest people told me that at the time you do you learn things like obviously it's so high well, it is high, yeah. I think it's been higher before. Well, then Jeremy Jordan made it even higher in the yeah, film. Yeah, well, I know. Um, yeah, well, he's an amazing singer. But, and also, it's intimidating because when you start a job and you go, God, everyone who's played this part has got an amazing soaring tenor. But you just go, you do what you can do with, with what you've got. And But with that, it was a real... It was amazing. It's something that I've always wanted to do. I've always sort of felt like I could... I, 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 I wouldn't have done it if I didn't feel it was possible. So I don't know if that's... Yeah, but, but there's a sense of gung-ho. But I love musicals, and I have loved musicals. So it's a really long-winded way of saying I never thought, and I'm still in awe of musical theatre performers, and I still go and see people and go, how do you do that? And of course the truth is you sing it in, you work really, really, really hard, you look after yourself, you're an athlete, you surrender a lot of your life, it's a lifestyle job, and then you give it and you make it look effortless. And so people like me, who I've done musicals before, I will still go and be completely bowled away and blown over by it. And that's exactly what I think makes, I don't know, like a really enjoyable career that's the magic that is the magic of it yeah so so in the future yeah musicals wise I think there's a, I think that I, I've always thought that musicals hold so much pain I mean this seems like I'm like drawn towards the pain but we know that musicals are celebratory and that they have these extraordinary set pieces and that you see people smiling And but there's just so much tragedy in all the stories and the love stories and the, and the confliction and I wonder if I've I, there's some musicals that I've seen that I go I, I'm, not, I'm not quite convinced that I've seen the real truth behind that. So that okay. so then there are some parts that I've thought, you know what, I reckon there's a bit more to find. Um, not that anyone else isn't brilliant when they've performed it, but just, you know, I just go, that, and that's a little nugget. That the I'll Jamie do. treatment's something else. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Well, thank you. I know you've got to go down and do your hellos in a minute. Yeah. It's been really great to pick your brain on everything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, absolute rambler. And yeah, well, you'll have to come back on so you can actually do more next time. <laughs> <laughs> thank Continue you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You can see Johnny and company at the Gilgood until the 30th of March when it's due to close in the West End. The newly released cast recording is available now. And if you'd like more information about the Albert Kennedy Trust Gala Night that's taking place next Tuesday, that's the 12th of February, just go to akt.org.uk where you can buy tickets for the performance or make a donation. I've also put a link in the description of this episode. Next time on the podcast, we're going backstage with Susan Harrison from Showstopper, the improvised musical, which is on at the Other Palace. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and follow the podcast on all of the socials. Just search for Backstage With Podcast. Thanks for this episode to Nada Zakula at Storyhouse, audio extraordinaire Ben Stones, and What Goes On Media. Till next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.